With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the second episode of Carpet Cliff Notes. Thank you for all the positive feedback that we have received. And I hope that this series will help people have a better understanding of carpet pythons and answer any questions that they may have about them. In this episode, we're going to give an overview of all the base morphs of the coastal carpet python or Morelia spilota mcdowell. I will briefly hit on what it looks like, the genetics behind the morph, a brief history, are there any issues associated with the morph, and what's the availability. Before we start, let's hit some quick notes. Most of the morphs that are we're going to talk about are available outside of Australia, but some of them that we will hit on throughout the series are only available in Australia. So we will have to live vicariously through them for now. I will hit on the base morphs of other subspecies and species in future episodes. So let's get started. First up is the jaguar carpet python, or the jag. This was one of the first genetic mutations to pop up in carpet pythons. This morph usually has a reduction in overall pattern. It reduces the dark pigment, and it seems to increase the yellow pigment at the same time. This morph originated from Jan Eric Engel. In 1994, after several years of breeding coastal carpet pythons, he produced an unusual-looking carpet python. In 1997, he named that morph the jaguar, and he set out to find out if it was recessive or if it was incomplete dominant. In 1998, he bred the jag to an unrelated female coastal carpet. Unfortunately, the clutch resulted in four good eggs. However, one of the babies did turn out to be a jag. Jan used the same pair in 1999, and this time he produced 12 babies. Four were normal and eight were jags. All of these snakes went to the U.S. And back then, these, these, these snakes were big bucks. It is an incomplete dominant gene with the superform being leucistic. Sadly, the homozygous form is lethal. There have been some cases where leucistics have survived for a brief time outside of the egg, but they always end up perishing within a day. It has been shown that this issue is with the development of the lungs. There are neurological issues that are associated with this gene. This stems from a failure of certain cell types to migrate to the brain from the neural crest during embryonic development. All JAGs have this issue. The symptoms can be as mild as poor coordination or as severe as corkscrewing. The issues seem to present themselves when the snakes become stressed there are jags that don't show any signs and others that come out of the egg having issues. 
This condition doesn't seem to affect the snake's overall health since they eat, shed, and breed without any issues. This is basically the same gene that you find in the spider ball python. All right, next up is the tiger coastal carpet python. This morph is basically a striped coastal carpet. But they have a broad dorsal and lateral striping. The lateral stripes would sometimes show as a stripe and other times as a series of ovals that went along the side. They had a really defined head pattern. It, it almost looked like it was drawn on by a Sharpie marker. The original stock had neck bands that connected to the head pattern. It had a very distinct look to it. It was different from the tri-stripes or striped coastals of the time. Those striped coastals of the time, they, they didn't seem to have as broad of a stripe and the head pattern wasn't as distinct. It's been shown that it's a polygenic trait now, but in the early days, it was thought to be incomplete dominant. And here's the story behind it. Tigers are striped coastals that descended from the James Neville line, which was produced and bred by Jason Balin. The original line is from Neville James, bought in the early 2000s. He had the original male, and he got that from a guy named Richard Quirk. Richard spent a lot of time breeding reptiles in Alaska. Richard sent one to Neville, and then Neville bred it with a coastal from East Bay Vivarium. It was tagged as a coastal when it came in, and there was some debate back and forth on whether or not it was a coastal. But eventually it was accepted that, this, that it was a coastal, um, basically based on the time frame that it came in. Neville produced some animals, and he advertised them on Kingsnake. And this would be the ad that I shared the other day on the Morelia Python Radio Facebook page. Well, Jason snatched up a pair and produced the first clutch that produced 100% striped carpets. And this is where the confusion came in and why people thought it was an incomplete dominant trait. This is probably my favorite of the coastal carpet python morphs. And there's so much that can be done with this. And, you know, it's, it's one of those genes that, you know, um, doesn't have any issues associated with it. Um, there's no neurological issues. There's no kinks. None of that. It's just an awesome looking uh, striped coastal carpet. But the thing is, is if you want to have a tiger carpet, um, you want to get it that where it descends from that Neville James line or James Tigers, as they're sometimes called. Um, otherwise, you're, you're, you have a striped coastal carpet. All right, next up is the caramel coastal carpet python. This is an incomplete dominant trait. There is a super form, and that's called the super caramel. They hatch out the red and sometimes brownish brick color, and they usually have a reduced dark pigment. As they age, the red typically fades, and they take on an increased amount of yellow. In that transition stage, they can look not so good, uh, but ultimately, they end up having this crazy type of gold, yellow, bronze type of look as adults. Christoscleros had them pop up from a clutch of normal-looking coastals. Um, he bred those in France. Surprisingly, the first ones were very black. 
In 2003, Paul Harris acquired several pairs of caramel coastals from him. These babies were red in color with no noticeable black markings at all, only fine brown edging to some of the pattern. Paul was quite confident that this trait would be reproducible as the babies looked different to the normal red babies that sometimes you see in coastal carpet python clutches. More on that later. In 2006, Paul bred a male jag carpet to a female caramel. He hatched some normal-looking jags and coastals as well as a caramel jag and caramel babies from that pairing. So it seems that this trait at the time was incomplete dominant and he had hatched a double codom, the caramel jag. This was a big deal at the time. You know, whenever codoms were produced like that, it, w- it, was, it, was, it was something that was looked at as like you, your mind was blown. Today, people probably don't care as much, but back then it, w- it was kind of a big deal. And they're still awesome looking snakes. In 2007, he tried the same pairing along with a second pairing, a male caramel to a female coastal jag, both clutches contain caramel jags and caramels, as well as normal jags and coastals. He also bred caramel to caramel the first time in 2007. And that clutch produced 19 eggs. From this clutch, it was consistent with being an incomplete dominant trait. There were 10 caramels, 5 normals, and 4 super caramels. The supers were even brighter than their caramel clutch mates and completely lacked any dark scales or markings altogether. In 2009, he bred a male super caramel to a normal coastal and hatched all caramel babies, finally proving out this mutation to be incomplete dominant. All right, next up is the red coastal carpet python. But before we do this, let's talk real quick about MBB. In order to proceed with this, you have to understand what MBB stands for. The initials MBB stand for a snake that her name was Madame Blueberry, and she was owned by Will Leary. Madame Blueberry is believed to have started the red line of coastal carpets that you see today. Mostly in the States is where you see this. In the early days, it seems that there was a lot of confusion about this gene or its mode of inheritance. Today, it's a little clearer. There are a few people out there, Jason Balin, Eric Hernandez, and myself, we're trying to work and understand what the genetics are behind this amazing snake because they, they, they really are phenomenal. The MBB red animals are believed to be a hypomelanistic trait with varying degrees of expression. There seem to be levels of the red pigment expressed from coffee-colored animals to highly extreme red animals. Jason Balin has produced a few of these extreme reds over the years, and they seem to be different from the red of the animals in the clutch. They almost look albino. Uh, the mode of inheritance seems to be polygenic and, and can occur when genetic red animals is bred to a non-red, unrelated one. Jason has two males... Uh, that stayed red into adulthood because early on, most of the red uh, coastals that that you would see, um, you know, they hatched out screaming, and then as they matured, they would they would turn into basically normal looking coastal carpets. He's had unrelated pairings where the reds were average and not so nice, and pairings of unrelated animals that yielded bright red offspring. Jason did 
his first unrelated pairing sib to sib last year and got similar results to an unrelated his unrelated pairing. Eric Hernandez has been working with MBB probably around 2012. He's done red to red. He's outcrossed. He's backcrossed. He believes that red is a polygenic hypomelanistic trait. With age, animals that fully express these genes tend to lose their black, like a like a reverse IMG almost. Real quick side note. I think people get confused because they hear us talk about red tigers from Jason Balin's 07 Red Tiger Clutch on Morelli Python Radio. But that red is the red that was used in that pairing. Uh, He got that animal from Will Leary. And it was a red coastal, but it was not related to the Madame Blueberry stock. And that snake is completely outside of the Madame Blueberry genetic. All right, next up is the Exanic Coastal Carpet Python. And the Exanic Coastal Carpet Python has been proven to be a genetic trait. And it's the Exanic gene is a reduction or an absence of yellow. The line originated in Sweden from normal appearing coastal carpets and fortunately proved out to be inheritable. This line was also proven to be compatible with the Popwin Carpet Exanic um, line that originated in Poland. There's some debate of the hereditary of this gene. For the longest time, we have looked at this gene as a recessive, but with more and more breedings being done, the thought has changed to incomplete dominant. When you hatch out exanics, you see that some look exanic, but then there's another level to it. This is where the idea comes from that there are, quote-unquote, super um, And I use that only to illustrate what I'm talking about. Similar to pastel and super pastel, they find royal pythons. To illustrate the problem that that happens sometimes with these genes, people wrongly believe it's recessive. Therefore, anything exanic looking must be a visual exanic. As babies, the eye color is the only way to be sure. Exanics have a pale bluish eye, while the hets are pretty normal. It's even worse (laughs) with jag hets as they can have blue eyes and still only be hets. So more work is being done with this gene, uh, but they are, most people, most people sort of are not fans of the exanic. However, I can tell you that when you see one in person, you're going to be blown away. They, they are really, really cool looking carpet pythons. <laughs> All right, next up is the hypocoastal carpet python. This, this is the first new single gene carpet python mutation offered in the hobby for a good number of years, and it's good news for carpet python enthusiasts outside of them. So Paul Harris of UK Python started working with a pair of suspected hypocarpet pythons about five years ago. The animals were interesting looking and so interesting that he began the project. A few years ago, Paul began a series of test breedings to answer the questions surrounding this new gene. The results are that the new gene is incomplete dominant. The second question are more complicated. Is it something that's truly new? The answer to this is also yes. The area of biggest concern was that the new morph 
may be related to the very well-established caramel, caramel uh, carpets. To determine this answer, Paul bred the hypo male to a proven female super caramel jag. This ensured that all the babies would be heterozygous for caramel and half, in theory, would also be hypo. This is exactly what happened. The entire clutch he held back to observe how they developed, and it became very clear which animals inherited the new gene within a, you know, a few sheds. The combination examples were simply outstanding. The next phase was to determine if these mutations were allelic. Uh, when the combo males were 18 months old, they were test bred to four females specifically chosen that they would not produce red babies on their own. The result proved the new morph was not allelic with caramel at all, which everybody was sort of surprised at this because they sort of thought that this was, you know, it was just another version of the same gene. Uh, He was hoping it would be entirely separate, but mentally prepared that (laughs) maybe it's not going to be the case. Um, In these clutches, the presence of any normal offspring would prove that the hypocarmal males were not heteroallelic homozygotes. In fact, they were normal wild-type hatchlings in all of the test clutches. And this proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that the new morph is entirely distinct from the caramel and much more extreme in appearance. And last up, this is uh, this project is still in the early days, and it's being worked on by a guy named Kurt Walker in Australia. It's the albino coastal carpet python. So far, it looks like it's a recessive gene. The two he currently has came from F1 het pairings, both small clutches of seven and one albino in each. The possibilities with this is amazing. You could make tons of different combos and combinations of stuff, and it would all be Morelia Spilota McDally. So you could make sun glows and moon glows and moon glow tigers and sun glow tigers and... Um, you know, sun glow jags and sun glow tiger jags. And I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. Um, very, very cool. And uh, yeah, we're going to be keeping our eye on that one for sure. All right. I hope that you enjoyed that episode and I hope you have a better understanding of uh, coastal carpet python morphs. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, you uh, you got something out of that. Um, I'm going to point you in a couple different directions if you want more information on carpet pythons in general. First one, our podcast, Morelia Python Radio. Pretty much anybody that's into carpet pythons kind of knows about the show already, but some people that are coming into carpets might not. We've been doing it for, gosh, we're on year nine um, of doing that. So you can imagine how much information is on that show, uh, when it comes to carpet pythons. Um, you can go to our website, um, moreliapythonradio.net and you can, uh, find out where to listen to that. Uh, any podcast app will, will do. Um, but, uh, 
you know, we've talked about individual species, morphs, breeders, how to breed, how to keep, you know, field herping. Uh, you know, we've talked to uh, people that have studied carpet pythons. We've talked to authors of books about carpet pythons. We've talked to people that may not necessarily be working with carpet pythons anymore, uh, but uh, they did in the past, and they sort of paved the history uh, and paved the road for us uh, today. So uh, I, would, I would definitely re- recommend checking that out. And uh, the last thing I would recommend is uh, picking yourself up the complete carpet python. I know that they're out of print currently, and uh, both Nick Mutton and Justin Julander are working on Volume 2. I guess they're going to call it the More Complete Carpet Python, uh, with tons more info, and there's a lot of work that's being done with the Carpet Python Complex in general, uh, so stay tuned for that. That should be coming out sometime in the near future. I know those guys are hard at work trying to uh, to get that together, um, but uh, I mean, you know, Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or you, there's another topic that you would like to hear, please send me uh, an email at info at moreliapythonradio.com and uh, we can try to, uh, to see if we can make that happen. In the meantime, next week, we're going to be talking about buying a carpet python, uh, what to look for. Um, and where to get it, and where not to get it, um, and some of the misconceptions that people may have about, um, you know, what kind of cage do they need, how do they keep, you know, all those type of things that you have to think about when buying a carpet python. So until then, thank you so much for listening, and good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.